Gospel reading is from Luke 19, verses 28 through 44. After Jesus said this, he continued going on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As Jesus came to Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he gave two disciples a task. He said, go into the village over there. When you enter it, you will find tied up there a colt that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If someone asks, why are you untying it? Just say, its master needs it. Those who had been sent found it exactly as he had said. As they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, Its master needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their clothes on the colt, and lifted Jesus onto it. As Jesus rode along, they spread their clothes on the road. As Jesus approached the road leading down from the Mount of Olives, the whole throng of his disciples began rejoicing. They praised God with a loud voice because of all the mighty things they had seen. They said, Blessing on the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven, and glory in the highest heavens. Some of the Pharisees from the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, scold your disciples, tell them to stop. He answered, I tell you, if they were silent, the stones would shout. As Jesus came to the city and observed it, he wept over it. He said, If only you knew of this of all the days, the things that lead to peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. The time will come when your enemies will build fortifications around you, encircle you, and attack you from all sides. They will crush you completely, you and the people within you. They won't leave one stone on top of another within you because you didn't recognize the time of your gracious visit from God. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. If you'd be seated, please. Good morning. This morning we're drawing nearer to our conclusion of our Lenten journey. Over the past 40 days we've journeyed with Jesus as he has prepared himself for today because today he enters the city of Jerusalem. Today is not the end of Lent, although we know and we also know that it's not the end of the story of Jesus. Today instead is the culmination of Jesus having set his face toward Jerusalem In the Gospel of Luke, as we read in the Gospel of Luke chapter 9, it says that Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem. And we know from our reading and from our study together that everything that he has done from that point is him orienting his life and his ministry and what he is teaching the disciples to prepare them for what is about to happen in the coming days. And so this morning we remember... That Jesus enters the city with fanfare and with a spontaneous parade. And as he does so, we remember that the events of Holy Week are on the horizon. That the things that are going to occur in the coming days are before us. And so today is Palm Sunday. A day where Jesus was welcomed as the one. A day where Jesus is remembered as the Messiah who was anticipated and waiting, waited for. And so throughout the Lenten season, we have been reminded to listen to him. As we have heard the words of Jesus, and as we have listened to what he is saying to us, both through his words and also by how the Spirit is working in our hearts. And so this morning's verse is a little different. This is a passage of Scripture from Luke's Gospel. But we're also invited to picture in our minds and to watch the events that happen with Jesus as well as he prepares to go into this city of Jerusalem. Located on the Mount of Olives, Jesus is looking over the city. You can see this is the best... 
map kind of I found that showed the route of Jesus that was kind of legible and also didn't have too much stuff. But you can see he's in Bethany and Bethpage. Bethany is where we know that Martha and Mary lived with their brother Lazarus. Jesus uh, raised Lazarus from the dead. It's also in their home that Martha was, uh, you know, hurrying about trying to prepare the meal, and Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet, and they had that interaction there. And we know from Scripture, and we believe, and biblical scholars believe, that oftentimes when Jesus was in the city of Jerusalem, he was in Bethany, and then they would actually travel into the city in order to go to the temple and to do the other things that they were required to do in the city of Jerusalem. And so today is no different. Jesus is in Bethany. And he is preparing to go around the Mount of Olives. You can see you know, how paths often go around the highest points of geography or topography. And he is going to cross the Kidron Valley and he is going to enter uh, the temple uh, courts. And so Jesus is looking over the city and he sends two of the disciples into the city to find the donkey, the colt of a donkey. And we are able to watch as Jesus climbs onto this animal and he is led across the Kidron Valley to the walls and the gates of the old city of Jerusalem. And as he nears the city, people begin to cheer. Now I think Luke's gospel is unique and I'm saying this off the top of my head, so if one of the other Gospels says it, please don't hold me to this. But Luke's Gospel is unique, and then if you'll notice, it says, Jesus' disciples began to cheer. And so the disciples began to lift up this cheer. And then I'm sure it was picked up by those who had been following Jesus. And then others began to pick up this phrase, or this cheer, or this celebration until there was a spontaneous parade provided by so many others as Jesus entered the city of Jerusalem. Friends, this is where Jesus has set his eyes towards, hasn't he? He set his mind towards this city, the city of David. We'd be remiss to not talk about Jerusalem in this time without remembering that this is also the season of Passover. And so pilgrims have come from all over the land to celebrate this feast together. They have gathered to celebrate God's miraculous uh, deliverance of the people of Israel from their time in slavery in Egypt. And so we remember today the work of God in delivering the Hebrews from the hands of the Egyptians, bringing Egypt to its knees through the parting of the Red Sea, and remembering that Israel went from a life of slavery to a life of freedom. And so Passover is a celebration of what God has done. And it's also a celebration and an observation and an anticipation of what God is about to do in Jesus Christ. And so as Israel gathers to give God thanks and to anticipate what God is going to do ahead, uh, do before them, if you think about it, it's only appropriate that this is the time that Jesus enters the city because this is God saying, here's the one that you're waiting for. Here's the one you've been anticipating. Here's the one that's going to deliver you again. Although it's a little different type of deliverance. Israel's not enslaved by another people in a foreign land. They're living in the land that, that has been delivered to them, promised to them by Abraham. This is a different sort of deliverance as they anticipated something similar to Moses who would throw off the oppression by Rome, who would uh, usher in a new period of freedom. 
Israel expected another king to be lifted up, one who was like David or one of his descendants, who would rule in fairness and wisdom over Jerusalem like Solomon had done, a king who would be like a shepherd, who would have the welfare and the well-being at the front of his mind as he leads and does everything for his people. But the day hadn't come. And so on this day, this Palm Sunday, The pilgrims and residents of Jerusalem are going about preparing for the Passover. And as they're doing that, they're reminded that the day of deliverance hasn't yet come. All they had to do was walk through the streets, didn't they? To be reminded that they were not delivered yet. You come into the market and there are Roman soldiers standing in the corner keeping an eye on things. You walk down the street and you have to walk around Roman soldiers marching. The tax collectors were constant reminders of the Roman presence. Going into the temple was not even a time to escape the presence of Rome because the Antonia Fortress overlooked the temple courts. So anywhere you looked, you could see the Roman soldiers watching who were prepared to enter the courts of the temple in case and before anything got out of hand. Every year, soldiers, legions came from Syria to be in Jerusalem as an additional reminder during the Passover. Even the Pontius Pilate was in Jerusalem. You know, he normally lived in a a seaside palace in Caesarea Maritima. It's on the shore of the Mediterranean Ocean. It's a beautiful place. I'm sure it is. Well, I mean, I've been there, so it's cool. The wind is beautiful. I mean, it's just great. But he's even come to Jerusalem. Herod Antipas has traveled to Jerusalem for the Passover. Rome's goal is to allow the Jews to worship on their own, to get the feast done, to observe the holiday, and to get all the pilgrims back on the, Rome, back on the road before they can cause any trouble. That's like a family reunion sometimes. Um, I mean, basically, you see what they're doing is they want the Passover to be observed, people to be able to worship as they wanted, and then it to be done and going on with their day. But first, Jesus has to enter Jerusalem. And so two of the disciples are given what we might think an impossible task. Go into the village ahead of you. As you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. You know, this is not what people expected when they expected the king to come in. The United States, our president travels on Air Force One or other vehicles that show who they are. The Queen of England uses horse-drawn carriages. They're gilded with gold and bright colors. And we're reminded by seeing stuff like that, not only is it in the individual that's represented, but it's also the history of the individual that, or position that we're seeing and we see things like that. Others arrive in, in limousines and other cars or buses with the team name and logo across the side. But Jesus is mode of transportation didn't have a logo on the side did it or if it did we couldn't say that in church he comes into church into jerusalem on a colt but friends if you look at the gospel that's the norm for him that's the story of jesus and to those who are waiting for the deliverance of god they would have seen the most great significance in that that we could imagine as they remembered the words of the prophet Zechariah 9-9, Zechariah 
where he says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Is Luke not presenting to us a picture and showing to us exactly the person that Jesus came to be? A king who models humility even in the way that he allowed himself to be made visible to the rest of the world. A king who entered Jerusalem and this entry brought forth a multitude of reactions because there were those in this crowd that that welcomed this kind of entrance, who eagerly anticipated what was happening in the action of Jesus and who wondered in a positive way what his entry might bring. But we also know that there were those who, who read and who saw this entry in a very different way. Because they saw the entry of Jesus as the opposite of what we might think. To the Jewish leaders, Jesus is a blasphemous person. On a theological level, uh, Jesus is claiming to be the Messiah. They considered that blasphemy. Only God could be Jesus. Only Only God could be God. And Jesus claiming that he was God was wrong. And so his very existence challenged their theological sway over the people. And in their eyes, they believed Jesus misdirected the people's eyes from the worship of God alone to someone and to something else. And so when Jesus entered Jerusalem in this way, the scriptures tell us that his actions cemented the plans by the religious leaders to have him put to death. For the Romans, this is a little different. I don't think they really cared about Jesus entering Jerusalem as long as he didn't cause any problems. For the Romans, if you think about it, the the Jews were a weird people, a weird uh, religion who talked of a Messiah who would deliver them as king. What made it weird is every time other Messiahs had come to Jerusalem, they'd put them to death. And so I think when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the Romans looked at him and said, oh good, here's another one. And so they watched, they likely waited, they wanted to see what would happen. But they were prepared to squelch any rebellion before it took off. Really, the fact that this was happening during the Passover for them was the greatest concern because the Jerusalem was bursting at the seams with pilgrims. And so for them, it was to get them done, to get the feast day over, and to get everyone back on the road. Friends, what we often overlook in this story And I appreciate that Luke takes the time to write it. Is that when Jesus comes up to the city of Jerusalem, I think it's easy for us to picture or to think of of the joy of the crowds and, and how it was infectious and how it spread from person to person. We've all been in crowds like that. You know, where, where everyone's excited, where what has happened is something to celebrate. And I think this is how people were, were looking at Jesus' entry into Jerusalem, except Jesus himself, as he saw the city and as he rode toward it. Because he approached Jerusalem and he saw the city. Luke writes, he wept over it and said, If you even, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. I mean, what he's saying is, if they would have known that he was bringing peace, 
they would have seen it, but it is too late. And for God's plan to be accomplished, the events of Holy Week were going to have to happen, and he was going to have to be crucified. And so today is a day of tension. As the crowd shouts hosannas, as they lay their palm branches on the road, as they have lined the streets to usher in the Son of God into the city, Jesus has come to rescue. But even as he does, he weeps. He weeps for Jerusalem and for the people who did not understand, even as they lay their cloaks in the road. He weeps for those who are following him in belief, knowing the heartbreak that they will shortly soon experience. And he weeps, knowing, the cry, knowing that the cries of Hosanna and praise the Lord will shortly turn to the cries of crucify and give us Barabbas. Friends, Jesus wept because he knew the need that we have for a Savior. He knew our continued brokenness, and yet even as he wept, he continued on into the city as he gives himself for us out of his love for us. Thanks be to God.